the beautiful music that you hear before and after my podcast was performed by Shira Gura, and it's original piece of music. Shira is a life coach. She does courses on wellness, and she has a podcast series called Living Deliberately Together. And you can get more information about Shira at her website at shiragura.com. Shalom, and welcome to In the Beginning. My name is Shmuel Bowman, and I am a Torah scribe. This week's podcast is dedicated to the memory of the 45 Jewish souls, men, teenagers, and boys, who were killed last Thursday at the tragedy at Mount Meron in the Galilee, and to their families, the mourners. May God comfort you among the other mourners of Zion and Jerusalem. There's a theme running through the Torah teaching, Parshat HaShavua this week. It is the theme of holiness, the specialness of the land of Israel. The instructions about Shemitah, when you don't farm the land every seventh year, literally a Sabbath for the land is highlighted. Check it out for yourself, Sefer Vayikra, the book of Leviticus, chapter 25. And then there's the Jubilee year, the Yovel, the 50th year. That's the year after seven times seven years. And here's where land returns to the original family ownership. One of my favorite biblical commentators, Rabbi Dr. Ovadia Svarno, late 15th and early 16th century Italian writer, thinker, philosopher, writes as follows. It is permitted for the owners to take possession of the land as their ancestral heritage and to use it to build houses thereon, construct pens for the flocks, etc., and so on, as proof that it is again theirs. When I read Sparno's words, I am reminded of my friend Felix. In late 1990 and the beginning of 1991, I was a volunteer in the IDF based near Cholon, which is near Tel Aviv. My base was a vehicle compound that stored and maintained army jeeps. Well, in preparation for the Gulf War, they decided to convert the base from a jeep compound to a nagmash, or armored personnel carrier compound. The average weight of an armored jeep is between three to seven tons, while an APC can weigh 30 tons. Therefore, I learned through personal experience that the parking lot where the vehicles sit must be strengthened in order to support the heavier machines. Basically, this means ripping up the surface pavement, pulling up the rebar, that's the reinforcing steel, and then replacing it with really heavy duty rebar to strengthen the concrete under tension. Okay, so I found myself with a team of guys in this activity I had never, ever performed before, yet found extremely satisfying. But it was very hard work. And to be honest with you, I took a lot of breaks. But I would watch my friend Felix, and he wasn't enjoying the satisfaction of breaking up concrete and using a jackhammer and heavy-duty cutters and so on. No, on Felix's face was a different look. 
He had the expression on his face of someone finally finishing a long journey or completing a long awaiting promise. And he never, ever took a break. I talked with Felix about my observations and he explained it as follows. Growing up in Soviet Russia, Felix was conscripted into the army of the USSR, specifically the Soviet Navy, and to be really precise, submarines. He spent three years in a sub, hardly ever resurfacing. The military service was brutal, and he was often persecuted for being Jewish. For three years, all Felix could think about was Israel and how one day he would get there. Many years later, on that December 1990 morning, standing in a covered parking lot with the smell of diesel fuel, dust, and sweat heavy in the air, Felix had realized his dream and was in Israel. Shovel in his hand, he dug out the earth and gravel and stone. He was engaging with the land he had hoped for while underwater in a Soviet submarine. So why should he take a break? I'll be back after this message with my very special guest, my wife, Leah, tour guide and Jerusalem expert. Would you like to have your favorite Bible verse as it was originally written? Or give someone you love a special gift? Shmuel will create a Hebrew Bible verse of your choice on parchment in the traditional Torah scribal form. The parchment is set in a handcrafted wood frame in a choice of hues and silhouetted by an original design paper cut depicting the unforgettable Jerusalem skyline. The paper cut is offered in three exquisite colors, midnight blue, burgundy wine, and desert beige. Please visit our website, sacredscrolls.net. Well, this Monday is Yom Yerushalayim, Jerusalem Day, and we have a very special guest uh, with us today, and that is Leah. Hi, Leah. Hi, Shmuel. What a pleasure to be back on your uh, on your podcast. That's, Thank you so much. It's great to have you back here again. And you know, when I'm thinking about Jerusalem Day, you're really the person to talk to about this. You, uh, uh, your tour guide. Uh, you're in Jerusalem a lot. Uh, you are uh, you are a storyteller about Jerusalem. You're a teacher about Jerusalem, and uh, tell us tell us something that you know about Jerusalem Day that uh, we can really uh, understand and get our head around. Well, I'd like to focus on the story of a woman named Pua Steiner. She writes her story in Forever My Jerusalem. In Hebrew, fabulous book. And she was a little girl. She was seven years old in 1948. The story of Jerusalem Day, we have to go back first to the war that took place in 1948. The war in which uh, you could say we gained the state of Israel, but we lost the old city of Jerusalem, the Western Wall, the heart of Jerusalem. We lost it in that war. That would have been that's like the, the War of Independence. The War of Independence, mm -hmm. exactly. And she was a little girl, seven years old, living with her family in the old city of Jerusalem. And the old city is under siege. And eventually, the Jewish community there, a few thousand Jews, are going to have to surrender. Some had been killed. They're going to surrender. And they're going to be forced to evacuate their homes, abandon their homes in the old city, where Jews had been living continuously for hundreds of years before that. 
700 years approximately before that. Uh, and of course, all the ancient history, but 700 years continuously leaving their homes, taking only what they can grab with their hands and going out of Zion Gate. Many of you have probably seen that famous image of John Phillips, the time-life photographer who was there on that day and caught a picture of Jews leaving Jerusalem, leaving their homes, not knowing if they're ever coming back. That's an amazing, you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting because sometimes... We think about Jews coming back to living in Israel and before Israel being called Palestine. You know, we think of it rather in modern history. And here we've got 700 years, generations and generations of Jews living in Jerusalem that like that were uprooted and kicked out. Absolutely. And, uh, and to really understand this, you have to really look at the old city itself because the stones of the old city, the, the buildings of the old city, they tell the true history of the place. And, uh, and it's not good to rely on what's so commonly kind of bounced around in the media today. And even in many uh, educational circles, uh, which really denies all of this history. So there they are leaving Zion Gate. And this is actually uh, just before Shabbat. It's a Friday afternoon, May 28th, 1948. And they leave and they go out to Mount Zion. Now, Mount Zion is actually just outside the walls of the old city. And they're told that that was, you know, that was still in Israeli hands. It stays in, in Israeli hands until today. And they're told, okay, you can sleep here. So they're going to go out over there. Uh, eventually, the army comes and tells them, listen, you have to leave here as well. And uh, truly beautiful story that there was the, her grandmother, Puhar Steiner's grandmother, said, listen, I'm not taking another step. I'm finished. I'm exhausted. We've been under siege. We're in a war. My, my house was just taken. I, I, I can't move. I can't go anywhere. I can't climb down Mount Zion, which has a steep uh, descent. I'm not leaving. Well, Puhar's seven years old. What's she going to do? And, you know, and her brothers and sisters and her mother. Her father had been actually taken prisoner of war to Jordan already. And all of a sudden, these big Hasidim from, uh, from Gur, the uh, Ger Hasidim, they come, they had a yeshiva, they have a yeshiva near Machane Yehuda in the, in the center of town. They heard there were Jews in distress and they walked in the middle of the night, Friday night, they had probably been having a, a tish or something, singing, and they heard there were Jews in distress. They climbed up there and these big guys, and they said, okay, we are here to help whoever needs help to come down the hill. And they carried down the grandmother and anyone else who needed help. Well, that's that's an amazing, amazing story. I'm just trying to picture that. There must have been a lot of stress. There must have been a lot of confusion. And uh, amazing to see how, really, how, how we came together and, and, and helped one another. Yes, truly a beautiful moment in all of this uh, difficulty and destruction. Now, for 19 years, many, many people are going to climb up Mount Zion, uh, usually on Shabbat. Mount Zion stays in Israeli hands, and they're going to climb up to the highest place they could get to, which is actually uh, a room on top of the traditional tomb of King David on Mount Zion. And they're going to climb up over there and look out across and try to see over the walls of the old city, can they see their homes? Can they see their synagogues? Can they see the uh, the Western Wall, the Temple Mount? Can they see? Can they see the holy place? And Pua said that she would climb up and she would look out for her synagogue, which was a big, huge dome synagogue, and it had been uh, it was a famous synagogue um, in the center of the Jewish quarter. Today, it's known as the Chorva Synagogue. And she would look out for her synagogue where she used to go every Friday night, and she couldn't see it because it had been blown up actually on May 12th, 
27th, just the day before they, they were evacuated. And she said she could still, for 19 years, smell the smoke of the synagogue burning. Now, thank God it's been rebuilt, and you can actually go and visit today. It was rebuilt 11 years ago, and it looks exactly as it did back in uh, in those days. Uh, that's. I'm also trying to imagine, you know, who blows up synagogues? I mean, and this is after, right, after... Kristallnacht after the Holocaust, and you would have thought, okay, that that can't possibly happen again. And uh, here they are, and blowing up synagogues. Incredible. Yes, thank you so much for uh, for raising that point. So the one who blew them up uh, is uh, officially is Abdallah Al Tell was responsible. He was on the Jordanian side, and he even said that we need to destroy everything Jewish: synagogues, study halls, yeshivas homes, everything Jewish, so that the Jews will never come back. He actually thought that if he blew up the physical buildings, that the Jews would never come back. And uh, an amazing thing happened is that when we did come back after the Six-Day War, 1967, that's what we're celebrating coming up on Jerusalem Day, we actually not only rebuilt the destruction, but we had the opportunity to dig underground, to excavate, and found Jewish history going back thousands of years. That's amazing. Our story today will end in the Six-Day War. This is June 7th, Kavchet uh, Be'ir, which is coming out uh, this year in May. And um, Pua Steiner returns to the old city. You can imagine how emotional it was for her. Many of those who were forced to leave their homes never really were able to return, certainly not to live. It was just too painful for them. But she actually returns to live in the old city. She still has a home there today. And she goes back to the wall, the Western Wall, Kotel Amaravi. And she stands there and she says, you know, um, some people call this the Wailing Wall. She said, it's not the Wailing Wall anymore. This is a wall of joy and happiness. And why is she so happy? Because this is the first time in thousands of years that not only do Jewish people have the freedom to pray in this holy place without being oppressed, without any sort of restrictions like that, without having garbage thrown on them, without uh, regulations about not being able to blow a shofar as it happened in the British period, without any kind of a problem. And not only Jews of all sorts, of all types, with all different types of prayer, but also anybody. And in fact, now today, the Western Wall is open to the world. And this is really uh, something that brings us back to the original days when the temple stood, the Beit HaMikdash stood in that place, and people would come from around the world to be a part of that, to see there was a visitor center up on the Temple Mount to be able to just look at what was going on, even those who weren't directly involved in the actual service in the temple. And so this was an incredible joy of the Six-Day War, not only opening up Jerusalem for the Jewish people, but uh, really for the whole world. Leah, we're living in incredible times. And when, when you're talking about this, you know, I, I mean, you, you know, we've we've been through this, uh, you know, through Jerusalem so many times. You've you've taken me around and shown me amazing things, uh, and there's always more to see. Always, it's incredible. It's like just when you think, you know, it doesn't matter how many times you've been here. We live here. How many times you've been to Jerusalem? Right, the next time, it's like what? 
Something else? It's it's truly incredible. Jerusalem is built in layers. The prophet uh, Yirmiyahu, Jeremiah, tells us that Jerusalem will be rebuilt on its ancient mound. It's built in layers. We it's it's physically we've excavated layers, and we learn about it in layers. You can never get to the end of what you can learn about Jerusalem. I invite you to check out my to my website to be uh, to be in contact. Yeah, that's really important because everybody wants to be in Israel right now and. You know, most people can't. Right, exactly. So I'm offering tours online, uh, and uh, it's really a lot of fun, and it's a great way to actually learn a lot because there's so much to learn. And sometimes, you know, to be honest, when you're walking around the city, it's hard to take it all in because you also want to eat and to shop and to rest, and it's hot and it's sunny or it's raining and it's cold. So online tours are an incredible way to really learn in depth about the layers and the history and the meaning of Jerusalem. I have a website, Israel onlinetours.com that's israelonlinetours.com and I invite you to be in touch with me through the website and to uh, check out my virtual tours they're also a lot of fun they're very dynamic and you really feel for a little while that you're in Jerusalem and if you happen to be in Israel, of course, be in touch. And I would love to do a, a live tour. The city is open and it is waiting for everyone to come back. That's great. So again, the website where people can learn about the online tours. Can you tell us that website one more time? Sure. That's israelonlinetours.com. That's all one big word. Uh, israelonlinetours.com. And I look forward to hearing from you. This has been great. Okay. Thanks, Leah. Thank you so much. Yom Yerushalayim Sameach. Okay, fantastic. Well, Yom Yerushalayim Sameach. Please join me every week for new ideas and uh, let's share these secrets together. Shalom. I'm Shmuel Bowman. In the Beginning is produced by Sacred Scrolls. You can subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, or Amazon Music. If you have any questions or comments, please be in touch through our website at sacredscrolls.net. Thank you for listening.